now we are actually recording, which is great news. Well then, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, happy late Halloween. Happy late Halloween to you. How was your Halloween? Uh, pretty chill. It was, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, we had all of the different plans for the different costumes and then, um, didn't do anything until I went to Walgreens yesterday and we figured out we could be three hole punch Jim and Pam as a cat. Yeah. I loved that costume, by the way, you're going to have to post that. <laughs> I saw that this morning and it made me laugh a lot. Uh, we were originally going to do it with me as the cat and Jim as, or, and Trevor as three hole punch Jim. But then yesterday he was like, what if, wait, what if I was the cat? And I was like, that's so much better. You're right. That's so much better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I liked it a lot. There, there you have it. How was your Halloween? Um, I mean, my whole week was Pretty something garbage. else. So. Do you want to talk about your wreck? Do you want to not talk about your wreck? Um, yeah, no, we can talk about my wreck. Um, yeah, Monday. I was driving over to my mom's to check on their cats and was at a stoplight and the lady behind me just uh, didn't stop. So yeah, she just rammed straight into the back of poor Diego, uh, my car for anybody who (laughs) is unfamiliar with Diego. Um, And yeah, I mean, she hit me so hard that you could read her license plate embedded in the back of my car. Oh my god. Yeah. So that was cool. Are you um, okay? How's your head? How's you know? Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm still decently sore. Um I am much less stiff than I was for most of the week though. Like I can yeah. move, which is great. Um Tuesday I went into work for an hour <laughs> and I went and told my supervisor, like, hey, just so you know, this is what happened yesterday, and um, it's super possible that I'm going to try and go to the doctor. And she was like, go now. Yeah. Like, okay. That's a good <laughs> and point. And so, yeah, so I went to the doctor on Tuesday, and he said that I had multiple muscle strains and some light whiplash, and um, I think it's possible that I had a slight concussion because I was really out of it for, like, a day and a half. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Geico guy hurt the lady that hit me, her insurance is Geico. And, um, he came out yesterday to come look at the car and, um, he was like not even halfway done looking at it and was like, yeah, my system is telling me this is probably going to be a total loss. So, so I just don't have a car right now, which is really, really fun and cool. Um, Yeah. I think there's almost no way that she wasn't texting. She had to be. Like I don't I I'm or sleeping. I have been trying to remember and I don't think that my radio was on and I don't remember hearing any like screeching noises. Like I don't think that she slowed down at all. I don't think she braked. I think my car is what braked her. <laughs> so that was really cool. And then on top of that on Wednesday no Thursday morning a big storm system rolled in so then my migraine kicked back up and so mm-hmm. I was just like this week fucking sucks yeah. and then yesterday last night I started my period because why not wow 
That's I a... really, really needed Babe Town this week. Yeah, dude. That's <laughs> just that's all week. I've been week. like, I just want to hype up some ladies. It's all yeah. I want to do. But yeah, it's been a hell of a week. Yeah, dude. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is not a good time. But we're here now. We are. We're doing a thing. We are. Do you wanna do you wanna talk about what we're doing? I would love to talk about what we're doing. Um sure. so if you have had anywhere near the week that I have had, then you probably want to be hyped up about some ladies, and that is what we are here to do. We, yeah, were, we are getting really bummed about uh the state of the world and we wanted to combat that bummedness by learning about some pretty inspirational ladies that uh may or may not be mainstream. I little I'm a little worried this week that she's another relatively big heavy hitter, but I think only locally. Like I think you'll know who she is, but I do know who she I think I know who she is. Do I want to guess. Yeah. Because she's on my list to do also. I'm sure that she is. Yeah. And so I think I'm going to have to take her off my list. Yeah. Um but I think that's just a local thing. Okay, so first, before we dive into it, mm-hmm. what are you drinking? I am drinking some hot chai. Yeah, because we're doing a little, well, I guess for you it's a, an early afternoon. For me, it's still kind of morning-ish. Morning time, early, early time recording. Yeah, I mm-hmm. guess. I went to Trader Joe's last week and stocked up on, like, hot teas and soup and general cold weather things. Oh, my God. And it's been really nice. Oh, my God. Do you know what we should do? Mm. We should start a, like, a pen pal, but instead of letters, sending each other care packages from the places that we each live. And I can send you Kalati's and you can send me Trader (gasps) Joe's shit. I love that idea. Because the Scandinavian swimmers at Trader Joe's, the, like, knockoff Swedish fish, I will eat an entire bag of them. You have the best ideas. I love this plan. I can send and you. I can get Kaladi. I can send you flash frozen mousse's tooth if you really want. Oh, of course I really want. What is that? It's not even a question. I think I'm gonna do that for my parents because it's really looking like they're gonna be in Oregon f- like until February, <laughs> so they're not oh, gonna be home for the holidays. That sucks. And so I think that they're pretty bummed about it. And um. My dad is 100% obsessed with the turkey sandwich at Moose's Tooth every Thanksgiving. And the last, like, three years, he's missed it because he's been down in Portland. So I think I'm going to overnight them a sandwich. That's awesome. Yeah, I would not be upset about some Diablo sticks. Yeah, girl. Oh, man. Oh, man. I love this idea. This is such a good idea. Man, you have the best ideas. What can I say? I'm like Tom from Parks and Rec. Ooh, also, speaking of your costume, I've been watching The Office, right? We have and, two. <laughs> and I've been watching season seven. And, like, mm. ever since I started season seven, I was like, okay, I'm getting really close to the end of my Office rewatch because this is the season where Michael leaves. And I was just downstairs watching it, waiting for you to text me. And um, it's his last Dundies. And I was, like, oh. starting to tear up. And then I was like, wait a minute. And sure enough, the next one is Goodbye, Michael. And so I was like, nope, I can't watch this directly oh. before <laughs> before yeah. recording on my period like no I will not 
So I think that's probably what I'm going to do when we hang up is go have myself a good cry. You do it, man. That's Steve Carell. Yeah. That's sweet, man. From every account, he just seems great, which um, I did start listening to the Office Ladies podcast with uh, oh, uh-huh. Jenna and Angela. And there's so many fun little tidbits in there. I love learning about the behind the scenes stuff. It's fun. Yeah. I've been meaning to listen to that. I'm a little bit behind because I got super into Great British Baking Show. Mm. And so my normally my time when I've been listening to podcasts, I've been watching precious British people baked, bake various goods. And it's been really wonderful and uplifting and just wholesome. That sounds really great. It was really great. Um, anyway, welcome to Babe Town. Welcome to Babe Town, everybody. Welcome to Babe Town. It's good. It's nice to have you. It's nice to be here. Someday we'll get our intro in before the ten minute mark. Probably not, but you know, it's good to have goals. I'm fine with it. Yeah. yeah. It gives us room to grow. It does. That's a great way to look at it. Man, you are mm-hmm. all about the silver linings. You are Let's... picking them out. Listen. Um, okay, Reagan. Yeah, Taylor. What what year was your babe born? My babe was born in 1925. When was your babe born? My babe was born first. Oh, she was born okay, in wait, 1911. Wait. Are you doing Are you doing Elizabeth Peratrovich? I am. Yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> I'm so stoked. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yay. I'm so excited. Um, and I am so hyped about this lady dude she's so fucking cool so yeah um yeah i'm jumping in so it's aside from being native american heritage month it's also alaska native heritage month so happy both of those things huh happy both of those things happy both of those things um i'm i'm super stoked about this lady um so let's just get into it. So um, we're going to do some history with a side of history first, though. Fun, fun. So fun. in the late 1870s, educational boarding schools were the new horrible governmental fad that was happening. Great. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, there's a really, really good paper um, that will be detailed in my source, my shit, but it's from UAA, um, and it's hmm. just talking about boarding schools in Alaska. Um, And one of their intro lines, which I just loved is quote, swapping genocide of the American Indian for their total assimilation into Western society became the new government mantra, which like gross, gross and terrible and gross and horrible. Um, So that the idea behind it was that white people had to come in, white Christians had to come in and teach indigenous people how to quote unquote be American, which oh my God. Gross. So um the idea behind it was taking it started in the southeast. Um so it was Clinkett and Haida tribes took Southeast Alaska kids far away from their families so that they could teach them how to be quote unquote American, which really meant forcing them to learn English and learn history told through a Western lens and um, learn Christianity rather than their 
traditional religions. So it was basically just abandoning their culture and adopting white culture. Yeah. Um, so in 1886, Sheldon Jackson came along and I just wrote, this dude sucks. <laughs> he yeah. was the general agent of education for Alaska, which I, mm-hmm. that title just skeeves me out. I don't know. I just yeah, hate like, it. It's there's just... something about an agent for education that doesn't make like a teacher mm-hmm. or maybe even an advocate for education sounds better, but an agent for education makes no, it it's sense. just, I mean, government and forced. I guess it's a really apt name for what they were doing. I don't know. Cause that's exactly what they were doing. Um, Sheldon Jackson thought that Alaskan indigenous peoples were quote unquote savages, except for those in Southeast because they had already had these Presbyterian schools running for 20 years by the time he rolled around. So he uh, repeatedly called indigenous Alaskans that um, were not in these villages that they had installed Presbyterian schools and these kind of like assimilation programs. He would call the other people savages and be like, yeah, but look at, these ones we've taught, so therefore they are civilized. Like, just Ugh. so gross. So, so gross. So that's kind of like the baseline of how Alaska Natives were treated kind of right off the bat. Um, great. So, yeah, really good. And it's a wonderful great. start. I yeah. bet it doesn't have any repercussions. Totally not. So, July 4th, 1911, in Petersburg, Alaska, Elizabeth Parotrovich, when she is... A baby, her name is Elizabeth Wanamaker. She yeah. has a clinket name that I could not find the pronunciation for. So I'll put it in the show notes, but I, I really just didn't want to just butcher it because it's an entirely different alphabet even. So I just, I will put it up, but she's Elizabeth Wanamaker when she's first born. She is from the Lukakuddy clan of the Raven Moody. Um, so Southeast Alaskan clinkets are divided into two moities. There's the raven and the eagle. And then each moity is broken into smaller groups called clans. So she's from the Lukakuddy clan of the raven moity. So she was left in the care of the Salvation Army as a baby. So then she was adopted out by Andrew and Jean Wanamaker. Um, he was a minister who was also a member of the Alaska Native Brotherhood. And she, Jean Wanamaker, was a basket weaver, which is so cute to me. It I is just, so that's, cute. I love that so much. So, um, from a really young age, Elizabeth is exposed to social justice fights. The Alaska Native Brotherhood is an organization with a ton of fascinating history, and I'm just barely going to skim the surface of it. So, right. um, anybody who is interested, I super recommend going and just kind of perusing through their website because it is so interesting and it's just, yeah, I was blown away by it. Um, Disclaimer. So I moved up to Alaska when I was 11 and in high school, I had one Alaska native history class um, and it was taught by the wrestling teacher at colony that like didn't teach like we just talked wrestling stories all the time. And that was my only educational exposure to Alaskan history, which is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So (sighs) a lot of this was new to me, which is terrible. And I super highly recommend anybody, especially if you are in Alaska and feel like your Alaska history is lacking, go look it up because it's, so interesting and so important to know 
yeah whose land we're living on <laughs> like 100 percent. so go go learn after this um so anyway the alaska native brotherhood it served to address racism against natives it worked to get native lands restored to native people and it also worked to have native families send their kids to schools of their choice which like was still a fight that was happening in 1929 Ugh. what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck so parents um, decide what's best for their own children dude so that is a really like 30,000 foot view of a and b is what it'll be called throughout this um so everybody go read more about them because it's fascinating yeah um so elizabeth spoke clinket and english and she was living a subsistence lifestyle in sitka with her family um at 10 her family moved to clawak which is a village on the prince of wales island there she met Roy Peretrovich. They both went to and graduated from Ketchikan High School, which, fun fact, had only been recently integrated because a Clinket leader sued the school board and won. Nice. So they were, like, able to go to school. So in 1931, she and Roy married. He was a cop and a postmaster. Eventually, he was the mayor of Ketchikan for, like, four terms. Um, and then he was also elected the grand president of the Alaska Native Brotherhood, the A&D. So wow, Roy's the out there. President. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he's out there doing shit. They have three kids. Um, I I read an article that talked about that Elizabeth was like a huge fan of wrestling. So she would like watch wrestling all the time and like get super into it. And so like her kids would like hear her yelling downstairs, and her dad would just be like, "Oh no, that's just your mom watching wrestling." <laughs> like <laughs> just amazing <laughs> so um so in 19 i know i love it so much like all the photos of her too she's got like these really cute pin curls because it's like the 30s you know and she's just mm -hmm. like this really like 30s looking lady and then i just love picturing her just like screaming at professional wrestlers yes love it so in 1941 they moved to Juneau. Um, eventually Elizabeth is elected the grand president of the Alaska Native Sisterhood, which is the counterpart for Native women to Alaska Native Brotherhood. So both of the Paratroviches now are the grand presidents of their respective oh. Alaska Native Brotherhood slash so Sisterhood. Cool. So cool. Um, I wrote the Paratroviches are running this bitch. <laughs> yes. A hundred. They're grandly like, running. Yeah. So good. Um, so one day they're out walking in Douglas. So um, for those of you who've never been to Juneau, Juneau proper is like where you've got, you know, the legislature and like the governor's mansion and shit. And then you go across the bridge to Douglas Island. And then if you go further up the other direction, it's Auk Bay. So they're out walking around in Douglas and they see a sign on a hotel that says no natives allowed, which like, oh. bitch, what the fuck? Do, what are you even talking about? Like you're in, you're in so Juneau. What are you it's so gross. Yeah. So gross. So they wrote a letter to the territory of Alaska's governor, because this is before Alaska's a state. Right. Um, so they wrote a letter to the territory's governor, Ernest Gruning, standing their ground. They wrote, quote, we will still be here to guard our beloved country while hordes of uninterested whites will be fleeing south. Wow. Which, like, I mean, yeah, yes, yeah. of course, of course. Like, because it's so their home. Um, they're, yep. Right. Right. Yep. So um, good news. Ernest Gruning super on board so yay the three of them worked to push an anti-discrimination bill um it died in the house though because it had to pass the house and the senate mm -hmm. it failed by a tie which barf it that didn't slow them down though all three of them 
worked for the next two years to get another one on the floor. The Paratroviches worked really hard to get Native people on their side, which I bet was not hard to do. Yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> they campaigned to get Native people to run for office. It worked. By the time the bill came around again, there were now two people, two Native people in office, and it easily passed the House. So once it got to the Senate, they there was a really high chance of it passing, but it met pretty fierce opposition. Um, so they had like really heated debates for a really long time. So Senator Alan Shattuck, I think, S-H-A-T-T-U-C-K, Shattuck. That sounds right. Yeah, Shattuck. He's the main bad guy on this story. <laughs> he we're is like, an like asshole. Senator Shittuck, am I right? You are not wrong. <laughs> So um, he said, like, so much racist-ass bullshit, and um, it was – it's so gross. So he said in, like, the Senate, he said, quote, who are these people barely out of savagery who want to associate with us whites with 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind us? Okay, okay. Bitch. <laughs> you don't think they have recorded history? Like, wh- I don't – Yeah. Yeah. I just right, yep. carry on. He was super sure that the anti-discrimination bill would just quote unquote aggravate race relations, which like how, how would yeah. it do that? Um, so from pretty much every article that I read, it sounds like Elizabeth was like kind of sitting like back in the gallery during this, during his like racist tirade. And at one point she gets up and she comes to the front And she stands at the podium and she says, quote, I would not have expected that I, who am barely out of savagery, would have to remind the gentleman with 5,000 years of recorded civilization behind them of our Bill of Rights. Uh, Mm. Mm. Yes, girl. Mm. Wow. Get him in the face. God, the best. So then he comes back with with um, he asks her, well, will this bill eliminate discrimination to which she says do your laws against larceny and even murder prevent these crimes no law will eliminate crimes but at least you legislators can assert to the world that you recognize the evil of the present situation and speak your intent to help us overcome discrimination which is literally the bare minimum the bare minimum (laughs) that is the very least that you could do is like least you can do is say that this is wrong and that you support us as human beings Right. Right. Yeah. It's almost right. Which like when you think about it, like that's exactly what the governor had done for them. And it was super helpful. Like the governor just supported them and kind of got out of their way so that the Paratroviches could do what they did best. Like you just need to take a stand. That's it. Oh, it's that thing of, like today, like if you see, if you're out on the street and you see somebody getting shit on for whatever reason, like whatever. the very least that you can do is go over and be like, no, I'm with this person and yeah, oh, like just a unified front. That's the very least that you could do. It's because just you know crazy to me that that's not to, just a common thought. It's harder to pick on people when it's people and not a person, you know, like groups Showing mm-hmm. a sign like it's going to discourage. Anyway, I'm just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not meaning to yeah. take over nor yell at the choir, but carry on. Girl, I got you. So after she says this, the whole gallery, which like was packed, like it was 
it was to the point where there were people standing in the street outside trying to get in to, to hear this debate about That's the so anti-discrimination cool. bill. The entire gallery burst into applause after she said this. Yes. So um, that was written by the governor in his memoir. Um, it is widely believed that Elizabeth's testimony is what kind of shamed the Senate into passing it. Of like, yeah, this is the very, very least that we could do mm-hmm. to make things better for the people that have been here forever. <laughs> what yeah. Just... So in the end, it passed 11 to 5. Um, yes. It passed on February 16th of 1945, which is now recognized as Pol- Elizabeth Paratrovich Day in Alaska. So come February 16th, let's all have an Elizabeth Paratrovich party. Yes, please. It was the first anti-discrimination act in the U.S. It was 14 years before Alaska even became a state and 20 years before the Civil Rights Act. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So in 1954, Roy got a job with the Federal Bureau of Indian Affairs and moved the family to Oklahoma. They stayed there until they found out that Elizabeth had breast cancer. And once they found out, they moved home to Juneau. She died in 1958 at 47. She was so young. Oh, no. So young. So she's buried in Juneau next to Roy, who died in 1989. I couldn't find anything about whether he remarried. Um, but they're at least buried together, which oh. I think is very sweet. Um, so fun fact as kind of a like finally and maybe she will become a a truly national mainstream lady of the week for everybody. She's going to be on the one dollar coin in 2020. <gasps> really? Elizabeth Paratrovich coin. Yep. That's awesome. Super awesome. Super, super awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah. This lady, like, seriously, dude, I was just all week like, wow, this lady is so cool. She's just the coolest. Yeah, and she really is. And, and the idea that like that is the situation that they were up against, like she one of her like pieces of testimony, she talks about how they moved the whole family up to Juno um, for the hope of like a better life. And they got there and they went to go rent a house and were like about to sign the papers for it. And the owner found out that they were native and withdrew the whole thing. Oh my Like God. they couldn't rent a house because they were native. <sighs> what the fuck? Oh my God. I just don't, I just truly do not understand. I don't either. And it makes me so thankful for the way I was raised because there's yeah. so much to be said for being taught your entire life that all humans are equal versus being taught your entire life that you are better than someone. It's, I don't mean to say that in any way to excuse anything. I mean it to say, I feel very thankful for being on the side of it that I was as a child, Mm -hmm. but I still, I don't, I cannot comprehend the idea that I am better than you. I am worth more than you. I am a lot, you know, like my life is worth Mm -hmm. more than yours because of how I happen to be born in the genetic lottery. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And like, it's crazy to me too, to think about how brave all of these people are are in the face of all of this like I that's it's just something that I've never 
had to experience. It's, it's not something that I've ever had to experience. And I don't understand how people are just so strong. And I think it's like, it's just, it's something that builds in that. So I'm reading a book right now about Rosa Parks and she talks about how Mm -hmm. it, it just built in her from the time she was a child that she was proud and she knew it was wrong. And so for years and years and years, it just kind of grew. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's so, I mean, I just like reading these stories. I'm just blown away by like, wow, that is the strongest person (laughs) because that kind of bullshit all the time. I can't even really wrap my head around the idea of like, there's no break. Yeah. I can't imagine going somewhere and seeing a sign that says no natives allowed. And like, that's, I just, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a super, a super big um, blind spot that I have, you know? Yes. And it's yes. just because it's never something that I've had to experience luckily, but it's crazy that so many people have had to experience that for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really like, the idea, not the idea, but the practice, I guess, of learning who was on the land that you live on first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm glad that it's catching on. I saw that during Indigenous Peoples Day, a lot of people were posting about like, I live here. And, you know, mm-hmm. 100, 200 years ago, however many, you know, whatever, it was owned by these people who were beautiful stewards of the land, who yeah. worked with the land, you know. And this is what mm-hmm. happened to them. And I think that we should all, that should just be a very common widespread thing. Well, and I think that it's really important to, I mean, it's been, it's been a real sore spot for me that in the entirety of my pre-college education, I can't think of a single class that I had that taught indigenous history no not one at all and that's so gross it's so gross because like it's that thing of teaching it through a western lens so of course it's whitewashing all of the explorers are going to be the heroes of the story and columbus day is still a thing right it's still a thing how yeah i think it's just so important to know what happened on the land that you're living on like it's just yeah yeah. that's my long-winded um way of saying that elizabeth paratrovich is such a hero of mine and like should be a hero of everyone's of of everybody yeah yeah wow good job dude that yeah she was literally number two on my list for Mm -hmm. indigenous women to cover this month and Mm -hmm. wow what a very cool and important story you know what i mean yeah yep Yep. So to source my shit, I got a lot of information from my good old buddies over at the New York Times. They're an Overlooked No More series. I'm obsessed with them. Elizabeth Paratrovich, Rights Advocate for Alaska Natives, is the name of her article, and it's written by Carson Vaughn. That UAA paper is entitled Boarding School Historical Trauma Among Alaskans Native People. 
Uh, it's written by Cheryl Eastley and George P. Charles. The Alaska Native Brotherhood and Sisterhood website I got a lot of info from, encyclopedia.com, and then sealaskaheritage.org. And that's my uh, sourced shit. I love it. Yeah. That's it was a great shit. time. And I had so many tabs on my computer open and I was like, okay, no, I can't, this, this is going to end up being a four hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> like got to pare it down some because I could yeah. talk about this for so long. But that's always so much um, fun. So just like filling our minds with all of these stories and facts and history. And then it comes out all the time. It's starting yeah. to come out. People ask me, or like I'll be in a conversation of, about whatever and I have all of these tidbits and I have all of this information about women in history. I love, I love it. Yeah, I do too. So much. Oh, some, yeah. good, some good stuff. Okay, well, sit back, drink your coffee. You're having coffee? Yeah, I'm okay. on my like third cup of coffee. I'm very extremely caffeine. Yeah, just, you know, right now. quietly vibrate while I, made- I tell you a story. I made enough coffee for me and Evan, and so far I'm the only one that's had any of it. So I think I'm going to have to make another pot so that Evan can have Beautiful. coffee. Just don't drink the second pot also. Well, we'll see. Or, you know, you can smell sounds. I don't know. It'll be great. Okay. We'll see. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. Here we go. Taylor, have you ever heard of Maria Tallchief? No. <gasps> okay. I love this story. Um, I'm going to do the same thing that you did where it was like, I'm going to go brief history for a minute and then we're going to jump into her life. Great. So, um, she was born Elizabeth Maria Tallchief, and she's a member of the Osage nation. And the, the Os okay. So the Osage had great relationships with the French before the Louisiana purchase and the whole, you know, all of that. Um, so right. their original, their native lands took up like all of Missouri, all of Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, some of Louisiana, some of Texas, some of Illinois, most of Illinois, up into Wisconsin, Iowa, across Indiana, Ohio, like most of the Midwest, right? Yeah. Um, and then the U.S. government decided that they wanted that land for white settlers. So what do they do? They moved all of the Osage from all of that land into one county in Oklahoma, one reservation. Um, and it was the worst land that they could find because it was the only land that the white people wouldn't want. Wow. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool move. Isn't that sweet? Mm-hmm. Um, but... In a beautiful stroke of karma, or I don't, I don't even know if it is karma, um, that piece of land is where the Osage people found oil in 1894. Amazing. And so they went from being the poorest people to the wealthiest people overnight. And I adore that. Yeah. Um, okay, so fast forward. January 24th. 1925, Elizabeth Maria Tallchief is born. She's called um, Betty for most of her life, but she's known as Maria Tallchief, so I'm just going to refer to her as Maria. Love it. Um, so she's born on the Osage Reservation in Fairfax, Oklahoma. Her dad was a mentor, member of the Osage Nation, and apparently just, like, super hot. Everybody, like, 
whenever you look into her dad's <laughs> life, everybody was like, my God, look at that guy. Like, they just talk about how everybody loved him <laughs> and he was this dude. So, okay. Um, wow. He was a kid when the oil was found. And so his family became super wealthy. So his grandmother hired a maid who is this little sweet little Scots-Irish lady and uh, he immediately fell in love with her. They had this intense connection and that is Maria Tallchief's mom. Um, So Maria says that when she was growing up, he owned so much property. It seemed like he owned the town. Um, So even though he like some, some people refer to him as the chief and I don't know if that's, accurate i couldn't really find a definitive answer on that or if Mm -hmm. it was just because i don't know um but her mom had always wanted to be a dancer and had never had the money so when maria was born and showed an interest in dance really early her mom was stoked and so she put her and her sister she had a younger sister named marjorie that was born 21 months after her which wolf Yeah. yeah oh man Yeah, no, thank you. Um, So anyway, Maria and Marjorie are both put in dance classes. Maria started, she had her first lesson when she was three years old in the basement of a hotel in Fairfax, Oklahoma. Um, Wow. So. God, little kids at dance lessons is so cute. It's the purest thing. I love it so much. It's so cute because they can't do anything. No, but they love it. And they it. just flop around. And they're trying their best. It's, it's very beautiful. cute. I want I love it. Yeah. Um so she also Maria also had perfect pitch. And so she initially wanted to be a concert pianist and she was playing the piano and she was really great at it and everything was wonderful. Um and their mom always said she knew that she was grooming two musical dancing stars. Which sounds kind of Dance mom, stage mom-ish. Super. But, but not when you know that the girls yeah. actually love it and are super into it and she's just encouraging and loving them. You know, it's like it's like what stage yeah. moms should be. <laughs> yeah. Instead um, of like, instead of like Gypsy Rose Lee. Right. Like, rah, rah, you're doing amazing, sweetie, Amy Poehler and Mean Girls. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> Be a cool mom instead of a Gypsy Rose Lee mom. 100%. What, yeah. a, what a great mental image. I know exactly the kind of stage mom I need to be. Thank you. Um, so Maria is incredible at dance. And she's a child. But she's really, really great. And all of the teachers in Fairfax really only cared about money. They didn't care about teaching dance they didn't care about the students and so her family seeing all of the um potential they moved to LA for more opportunities in 1933 which obviously exist but are incredibly hard to come by because it's LA and it's performance you know you know the story Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so even though they're wealthy and they like have a house in Beverly Hills and everything's wonderful. The students would make fun of the two sisters for being a native American. 
as they walked down the hallways, they would make what they called war whooping noises, which Ugh. makes me sick to my stomach. Um, Ugh. And they would ask the girls if their dads, if their dad collected scalps, which also makes me sick to my stomach. What the fuck? God. Children are horrible. Wow. Yeah. No, that's not true. Yeah, and Racists also that means that. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that means that those kids are hearing that from somewhere. Yeah, their parents taught them that, and that's horrific. Um, Ugh. And during their early dance recitals, the sisters were made to perform what they called, what the teachers would call Native American ritual dances. But none of them were remotely authentic because in those kind of tribal ceremonies, the women didn't perform. And so it was just like, oh, we have these two Native American girls. Let's have them do the Native American dance. This is perfect. And it was like, no, 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 that's not how this works. You know? Oh, oh God. Yeah. So Maria tested out various styles of dance, but she fell in love with ballet. So at 17, she moved to New York City to understudy in the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. Another little history lesson. So after the Russian Revolution in 1918, a bunch of expats fled to the U.S., where at the time, Americans thought ballet was stupid because they only cared about tap and show tunes. But Russians had developed this deep love of opera and the ballet for centuries, so they started their own ballet. So um, at the Ballet Russe, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not totally positive. But the Russian ballerinas would look down on American ballerinas because Americans in America. And so they, <laughs> you know, you know how they do. Um, I love just because Americans. <laughs> because because America. Um <laughs> And they kept trying to get her to change her name to Maria Tolcheva because it sounded European. And she was like, no, my name is Tolchief. I'm going to be yeah. Tolchief. But she did start going by Maria instead of Betty at that point. Um, so then in 1942, one of the lead ballerinas unexpectedly stepped down and they put Maria in. And she got incredible reviews. Everybody was freaking out because she was technically precise. She was incredibly athletic and strong and her musicality was flawless. And so everybody was just losing their minds over this teenager, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. That's unbelievable, you know? Wow. So at Ballet Russe, she How made... How old is she at this point? Um, 1942. She is almost 20. She's 18. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. 17, 18 in there, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So while she's at the Ballet Russe, she meets George. It looks like Balashin. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Okay. Um, he was a Russian expat who was a choreographer. He used to be a performer. Um, and he performed, fun fact, for the last czar of Russia, the Romanovs, um, before being oh, forced damn. to... I know before being forced to flee to Paris in the U S and I did the math and he had to be like 16 when he performed for the Romanovs, which is wow. crazy. Um, but yeah, she meets him there. He's now a choreographer. They get married in 1946 when he's 40 and she's 21. 
and she Hmm. becomes his muse. Later that year, they leave the Ballet Russo. Russo. Anyway, I'm never going to get this. Um, And he co-founds a company that later becomes the New York City Ballet. But basically, he wanted to make a, he wanted to do a new style of ballet and nobody else was about it. And so he was like, fine, I will start my own company. Um, So then in 1947, post-World War II here, there is a ballet in Paris called the Opera Garnier. Apparently they had incredible hair. I don't know. It's spelled like Garnier, like the hair thing. I don't know. Boo. Reagan, that is the most dad joke I've ever heard. Garnier. Oh, my God. You're welcome. This is what happens when I'm handwriting my notes, and I'm like, oh, Garnier. It's like the hair stuff. (laughs) Shampoo. Opera of shampoo. Uh, That's no. That's no good. That's no. That's just, that's no. Fine. Well, anyway, they run into trouble because their artistic director was accused of being a Nazi, which apparently was happening all over the place. And so all of these higher ups were being forced to step down. So they hired George, Maria's new husband, to produce a new series of ballets. And he casts his talented young wife in all of them, which makes her the first American to perform with the Paris Opera Ballet, which is super cool. Um, wow, that is super cool. Yeah, first American, man, woman, anything, first American to perform with them. And again, everyone is completely dazzled by her technique, and she's super elegant and all of this. And so naturally, they run a bunch of headlines that say, Red Skin Dances at the Opera. Ew. Yep. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so she came out with a statement that said, I just wanted to be appreciated as a prima ballerina who happened to be Native American. Never someone who was an American Indian ballerina, which. Right. Yeah. Right. It's almost like you want to be seen as a person. Yeah. You know, Ugh, breaks my heart. Um, but she keeps dancing and he keeps doing choreography things and they basically revolutionized ballet and they made it super popular in the U.S., So in 1949, she performed in a role that he had created for her called Firebird. And she said the audience sounded like a football stadium after a touchdown. They didn't know. Wow. They didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know. They had never rehearsed bows. They didn't like they had no idea what to do. Because they they had never received that kind of adoration from an audience before, which can you. I would immediately start sobbing. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Like to get that kind of positive feedback where you've never, ever had it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would cry like a monster. Um, so Maria wanted kids and George didn't. So they got divorced in 1951, which is five years after they got married. And he was quoted as saying passion and romance didn't play a big part in our marriage. So basically it just sounds like they Sad. were a, yeah, they were a a good ballet team, but not a good yeah marriage team. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a um, business partnership. Ex- yeah, exactly. Um, somewhere, I could not find dates, but somewhere she briefly married someone named Elmorza Natirboff, something like that. 
What a name. Yeah, it sure is. There's a lot of consonants and also vowels mm-hmm. in combinations, almost like words. Um, almost. Almost. So, okay, super fun. I love this part. In 1954, she was cast in a ballet that was super obscure at the time. Nobody really cared about it. Uh, it was called The Nutcracker. And <laughs> she was cast as the Sugar Plum Fairy, and it it exploded. It became a phenomenon. It was the highest grossing ballet in the world. I mean, to this day, that's the ballet that everyone knows, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. because she was the sugar plum fairy and blew everybody's minds open. Wow, that's a really um, good fact. Isn't that fun? Uh, I was listening to the yeah. the score. I don't know if you can call it the score. The symphony? The the orchestrations? I was listening to the music. I don't yes. Know. <laughs> All of the above? I was listening to the Nutcracker while I was doing some of this. And it's just... Uh, I want to watch it again. It's so good. Uh, So the next year, in 1955, she became the highest paid dancer in the world, which I think is so beautiful and wonderful. Um, Two years later, 1957, she married a man named Henry Passion, P-A-S-C-H-E-N. Passion? I don't know. I like just, I like just Passion. Yeah, Henry Passion. That's what her mm-hmm. first marriage lacked, and she found it, you know? Mm. Um, and they had a daughter named Elise in 1959, which, fun fact, Elise became a poet. And I love that. Oh. I know. I love that. Um, But after she was born, Maria took a kind of a hiatus from dancing to do mom things while her daughter was super young. Um, and mm-hmm. then she returned to it when she was three in 1960. After she returned, she became the first American to perform at the Bolshoi Theater in Moscow. She was the first prima ballerina at the New York City Ballet, and she was prima ballerina for 13 years. Wow. Um, she mostly performed dramatic roles with the American Ballet Theater And all the while, she was using her platform to speak out against injustices and discrimination towards Native American peoples, which I think is just the best. Um, She was also creating roles um, for, like, the Scotch Symphony, and there's a ballet called Orpheus, and she's just all over the place. But to this day, she's still mostly known for being the Sugar Plum Fairy. Um, which I'll show, I'll post a picture of it. There's a really cute picture of her as the sugar plum fairy. And then there's a really cute picture of her and her sister Marjorie, both in costume for a ballet when they're really young. Oh, cute. I'll post those. It's great. Um, so she retired in 1965 and she became a teacher and the artistic director for the lyric opera ballet, which, oh, also (laughs) she founded, um, Oh, yeah, isn't that casual? Casual. Um, Super casual. And then she and Marjorie founded the Chicago City Ballet. I just, she's so active. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. In that's 1996, very cool. she was one of five artists to receive the Kennedy Center Honors for Artistic Contributions to the United States, and she was entered into the National Women's Hall of Fame. 
And then in 1999, she was awarded the National Medal of Arts, which is the highest award given to artists by the U.S. government. Wow. Yeah. Um, she stayed married to Henry um, till he died in 2004. And then she died April 11th, 2013. Um, it just said her cause of death was complications. So I don't know if it was just like old age and things like that, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the beautiful story of Maria Tallchief, prima ballerina for the New York City Ballet. Wow, that's such a cool story that I've never heard of. I've never heard of it. And I know that I've seen a photo of her as the Sugar Plum Fairy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had I had no idea. And she did a whole That's bunch great. of work in Chicago and it's, yeah, like the Lyric Opera Ballet, they did, um, oh, what is it called? Um, oh my gosh, Shakespeare, they go into the woods, you know what I'm talking about. Are you talking about Midsummer Night's Dream? Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> they, I like they go into the woods. <laughs> they they flee into the woods and there are fairies and mischief abounds that's the one titania's yeah. bed that's that's the one um but yeah the the lyric opera ballet does a lot of stuff downtown and i had no idea it just i mean it's crazy all of these huge institutions that we just accept as being around and part of life and I never look into who started them or why. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's exactly how I felt about the comedy store when I did. Yeah, uh, exactly. Store. And I was like, oh. Exactly. What? <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I yeah. love it. Good work. That was a great one. Yeah. It was so much fun to read about her. And I really want to find, I'm trying to find like any videos I possibly can of her dancing. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll, maybe I'll be able to find a video. I don't know. That's I'm getting way ahead of myself now, but um, in a very short source, my shit um, biography.com was very helpful. And there's an article on all that's interesting by a woman named Gina DeMuro and an article on women's by a woman named Arlisha R. Norwood. There's also a book called Maria Tallchief, America's Prima Ballerina by a guy named Larry Kaplan. And that's my shit. Wow. That was great. It was really fun to read about her. I really enjoyed it a lot. And like, man, just a cool story of somebody that did what they loved their whole life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Every week that we do this, I keep being like, there's no way that I could possibly love the ladies next week as much as I love the ladies this week. And then every single week, I'm like, wow, I love these ladies. I think that every single week. I'm always like, no, these are going to be my favorite ladies. And the very next week, I'm like, wow, wow I love oh, no, this I love woman and her ladies. story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, man. It's so, so this cool. My I love it. I know it's I just I'm never gonna get over it let's do this until we're 95 that sounds great 
Um, do you have a lady of the week? So my lady of the week is in the spirit of what empowered me and made me the most proud this week. Uh, it is not a lady in fact, but my older brother Tate, um, he has been working for NBC for a couple of years and he has been, uh, just man, I don't even know how to say it. I should have thought this out more ahead of time, but he's been really, really, um, publicly and forcefully fighting back against white supremacist groups and calling out people by name who are white supremacists and trying to hide by behind whatever, yeah. uh, which has always made me so, so proud of him. Um, and this week he and his fellow coworkers at NBC formed a union and joined. Oh. Yeah. They formed the um, NBC. Oh no. They have a Twitter. Hold on. Got Guild, NBC News Guild, um, because a whole bunch of video journalists got fired basically for no reason. And so they all got together and formed a union and are bringing it to NBC. And they are still fighting for recognition from NBC, but yeah, it's just, it's wow, it's been really wonderful to watch everything that he's doing. And watch as he stands up for everything that he believes in incredibly unapologetically. Um, yeah. It just makes me really proud and it makes me want to do the same thing. You know? I do know. That's a really good one. He's great. So if you ever listen to this, I love you, Tate. You're my lady of the week. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I love Thanks, that. Man. Who's yours? Um, I think my lady of the week. I think mine is two ladies, um, okay. and I don't know either of their names. <laughs> cool. But they are the band First Aid Kit. Oh, yeah. And I just, like, anytime I'm having a shitty day, I just put on First Aid Kit, and it just immediately makes me feel so much better. And um, so this week I was listening to them a lot. <laughs> and Makes sense. And, um... They just have so many songs about like, it's okay to want to keep moving forward and not feeling like you have to be settled. Like I have never really understood my whole life why like ambition is like a bad thing. I've never, yeah. that makes sense to me that like once you get to a place where you feel comfortable, you would want to be somewhere that is still challenging yeah. to you, you know? And so like, I think that um, that's kind of an important reminder sometimes. And like, that's not, I mean, that sounds like I'm vague booking about something going on in my life and I'm really not like, it's just something that like I think about all the time where like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, you know, I never want to be like one of those people that works the same job for 25 years. Yeah. Like same that, that I have no interest in that. (laughs) So like, um, I don't know. They're just such a, I, every time I listen to them, I just feel like very, I don't know, like empowered and 
heard, I guess. Like, yeah. it's just fun to be like, oh, man, other people have the same thoughts that I do. Cool. That's great news. So anyway, they're Swedish, I think. And um, if you haven't listened to First Aid Kit, go listen to them because they're great and their harmonies are out of this world. And They're so cool. Have you watched the YouTube video of them yeah. singing the Fleet Foxes song in the woods? Yeah. I yeah, they adore it. Yeah. Especially as she like so, leans away from the camera to belt it out and then kind of giggles at herself and then keeps singing. I just yeah. Yeah. They're so great. They're so good. They're sisters. Um and they're just really good. They're just really good musicians and this really got out of hand, but they're my latest no. of the week. <laughs> no, I love it. It's the best. It's so, so in hand. It's like, it's like in the palm of my hand. <laughs> we have got this under control. Really? It really got away from me, but um, <laughs> go listen to them. A hundred percent. And go follow NBC news guild on Twitter and see what they're up to. They also have buttons and they yeah. tweet a bunch of photos of all of their pets wearing their buttons. It's beautiful. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. So if you need, which I have to say, my new favorite part of Halloween is seeing all of the pet costumes. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. it's the best. Pet costumes are best costumes. They're best costumes. Anyway. Um, While you're following NBC News Guild and uh, First Aid Kit, go ahead yep. and also... Do a little tap on that subscribe button yeah. for Babe Town Pod at Twitter mm-hmm. and Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, follow us also. That'd be cool. Just follow so many people, you know, see what's going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Go live your life by pressing a lot of social media buttons. And then learning about other people's lives because it's good to stay yeah. informed. We also have a Gmail at babetownpod at gmail.com. So if we do. If you felt like sending us your lady or dude of the week or a lady that we haven't covered that you would like to hear us cover, or yeah. if your, your pet had a cute Halloween costume, oh my gosh, send them please all our send way. Us your pet we Halloween see costumes. We want to see them. That would be really ideal if we could see all of your pet Halloween costumes. Really ideal. Please. And also thank you. Um, this was great. And I love you. I love you. As always, this was wonderful. This and and this boosted my week yeah and everything's yeah great. man yeah i'm gonna go drink more coffee i think all yeah. right well have a wonderful week and don't get in a wreck hopefully ditto to you on all of those things thank you i appreciate that <laughs> okay goodbye i love you goodbye goodbye i love you goodbye <laughs>